We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There is an alarming disparity in pregnancy-related mortality between African-American women and white women. Their infants are also at risk. A local woman is working to end that disparity. Her name is True Kelman. She's founder and executive director of Jamaa Birth Village, in which she employs community-based solutions to achieve goals. True Kelman joins me in studio. It's great to have you. It's good to be here. I can't recall when I've been quite as stunned uh, to see the Centers for Disease Control figures Mm -hmm. showing that African-American women are three times more likely to die in pregnancy than white women. Why? Well, the reason all boils down to systematic racism in varying degrees. Um, It comes down to having culturally congruent providers that are providing the care for women of color. Um, And it also comes down to some of those biases that are imposed in some of these hospital and clinical settings. And when you get down to the level of um, the community, it has to do with access, access to healthy foods, access to transportation, um, good housing environments, as well as employment. All of those things raises a um, a woman's stress level. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. One of these biases that you're talking about in hospitals and with health services, what, just elaborate on that if you would. Yes. Yeah, so some of those biases are the way a client is treated based on their race. So there's been some recent studies done in the past couple of years that have shown that some of the stereotypes that um, providers come with in regards to people of color are imposed upon them when they're in the hospital. So when you think of a white woman, she may be re- she may receive better care, um, you know, more attentive services, and a, a black woman may actually be more neglected, or she may not be given her options or be informed of her choices. Um, so those rates that you mentioned earlier. African-American women are three to five times more likely to be harmed or to die in childbirth because of just the way that we're being treated. What, what about the children? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, they're at risk, obviously, because of this, either, either born, stillborn, or um, shortly after birth, perhaps. Is there an issue that uh, is raised there? Yes, there's a big issue that's raised there. So because of um, the lack of access to care and also some of the other things that I mentioned just a moment ago, it increases a woman's level of stress. So whenever you have high stress levels, um, chronic toxic stress, it rises a woman's cortisol levels, which affects um, her baby's ability to get the proper nutrition and oxygen from her body, which means the baby is more likely to be born premature or have a low birth Right. So um, whenever a baby is born too soon and too small, they're more likely to go to the NICU and they're less likely to survive to their first year of life. Mm-hmm. So that's what increases, you know, babies dying when it comes to African-American women. This is all just a horrible prospect, needless to say. All horrible. And what, yeah. are you, what are you doing about it? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to talk about what we're doing about it. So um, I was a teen mm-hmm. mother myself, mm-hmm. and I actually endured some of those complications in the hospital 
hospital because I was not seen, heard, or listened to. And I was forced to have a C-section, um, actually twice. Um, and so I took my health care into my own hands. I educated myself, informed myself, and I chose to have a midwife for my third son. And I had my baby with no problems at all. And it was all around that time that my calling came out that I was not the only woman who was treated unfairly and unjust in hospital systems and that we needed people to we need people who are educated to stand up for us in the community. So um I decided that I needed to become a midwife based on that calling and um I went on to be enrolled in midwifery school in twenty fifteen and at the same time I started Jama Birth Village. Mm-hmm. Um it is a not for profit pregnancy resource center and we provide access to midwifery and doula care, as well as education in the community. And so we've served over 300 women since 2015. Wow. You're still a midwifery student, is that correct, or is that is that over? That's correct. So um, I am set to finish my studies at the end of this year, and I will be graduating in spring of next year. So. How, how long a course of study is it? Um, it can take, on average, about three to four years. So, I mean, that, that's as long as medical school. There I mean, you go. Give me some sense of what the curriculum is like in a midwifery school. Well, in a midwifery school, you're going through a lot of some of the same things that you would, like you said, in medical school. We go over biology and anatomy, and we also go over the holistic well-being of women in pregnancy. We specialize in caring for low-risk women. And so we learn a lot about some of those techniques to help keep women and their families healthy and well. Midwifery is legal in Saint in Missouri, correct? Obviously, it must be, but yeah. but but not everywhere. <laughs> not everywhere. Just in two thousand and seven, home birth midwifery became legal in this state. Mm-hmm. So there's two types of midwives: you have certified nurse midwives, and you have certified professional midwives. And certified nurse midwives typically work in the hospitals or in birth center settings. And CPM, certified professional midwives, tend to work in home birth settings. And so we're more community-based, holistic-based providers, which is actually what our community needs at this time. Tell me how it works through Jama. Okay. So the way that our services work, um, a woman may, you know, be expecting with her child and she may give us a call and say, hey, I want a midwife. So through our current services, we will sit down and do a client intake with her and we'll help to match her up with the midwife that fits her income, that's close in her area, um, also maybe who takes her insurance, and will help to make sure that she actually gets an appointment and gets through that door um, so that she doesn't fall in between the cracks of not having a provider and being higher at risk. Um, and so that's how we make sure that she has a midwife provider. And then we also do the same thing when it comes for to a doula. Um, we have St. Louis's only doulas of color collective, which is composed of over 20 women who provide care to families and women of, of color in the area. So currently we help to match those women up with culturally congruent providers that are midwives or doulas, and we make sure they get the care that they need. Um, in the future, which is something that we're really excited about, we're working on opening St. Louis's first equal access midwifery clinic. And that clinic will make sure that every woman who walks through our doors, no matter the type of insurance that they have or their level of income or how far along they are, mm-hmm. that they will receive adequate care by us as midwives. 
Uh, uh, explain doula for me, if it was. Is that an <laughs> African term for midwife? Actually, no. It the roots of doula is actually a Greek term, huh. um, but but it means to serve a woman. Mm-hmm. So midwife means with woman, and we're medical providers. And doula means to serve a woman. So we're a birth companion. We're skilled and trained at providing um, education and physical support for a mother in our family. But but part of your journey through all of this was being becoming aware of. The, the midwives in Africa, isn't that correct? Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's absolutely correct. The traditional means of delivering babies. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and so like I mentioned, I, I had two early births, and they were quite difficult and um, very disheartening for me. And so I suffered from postpartum depression with my second pregnancy, and through um, I attempted to receive mental health care and was not able to receive good care at all. So actually through self-help, I was able to get my way through postpartum depression, mm-hmm. and that's when I realized my calling. My calling arrived through my trauma, and um, I was brought to the surface to know that I was there to serve women. And I found a book called Spiritual Midwifery, and it's a book by Anna Mae Gaskin. She's like a hippie midwife. <laughs> and there was one <clears throat> black woman in that book who had a big afro and had a tie-dye dashiki on her name was Sandra Abdullah Umsalama, and she was a black midwife. Hmm. And I would carry that book around like a Bible. And um, it inspired me to be a black midwife in my city and state. And uh, um, my third birth that I had at home, about six months after having him, I was invited to go to Africa to study alongside Sandra Abdullah Umsalama, that same woman mm, wow. that I had been following, um, to help her as she worked with village midwives. How yeah. many midwives are there in this area that you can call upon? Um, right Lic- licensed now, and certified, I guess. Would yeah. Yeah, we. I would say roughly we have about six to eight. Um, when it comes to home birth midwives CPMs, currently we have four, and that are currently practicing. Um, and then we have about six. I would best say four to six others that are nurse midwives that practice either in the hospital or in birthing center. Um, However, none of those providers, not one of them, practice in the promise zone area, Mm -hmm. which is where women could actually benefit from it with free care based on evidence and research. And so I would like to highlight that there are zero black CPM midwives in the state of Missouri Mm -hmm. when, and even in St. Louis, and St. Louis is predominantly African-American, and African-American women are 49% more likely to have premature births, and we don't have any home birth midwives to help provide care. You need, you need more, obviously. We need more. Yeah. So besides Jamaber Village focusing on increasing access to culturally congruent providers and midwives, um, you know, through direct care for our clients, we're also training the next generation of black doulas, support companions, mm-hmm. and also black midwives. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I think of midwives and midwifery, I, I think that generally they perform the service in the home. You mentioned hospitals. Well, hospitals already have staffs to, to deal with this. <laughs> what role do they play in the hospital? Well, they play a role in the hospitals where if there's a woman who is low intervention and she really, you know, wants a low intervention birth and doesn't what, want. What does low intervention mean? 
Well, low intervention means it's more hands-off. So the average woman that goes into a maternity ward with the OB, they're going to get hooked up to tons of monitors. They are going to have IVs going through them. A lot of preventative care that's actually unnecessary and that could lead to complications for women who have no health risk. So when you don't have any health risk, you should have low intervention care, which means providers who are not messing with you and who just allow your body to go into labor on its own and to deliver as it needs to be. So, yeah. Do women generally prefer to have it uh, have the, the birth take place in a hospital or the home, or does it generally make any difference to them? The women that come to Jamal Birth Village want to have their babies at home. Um, I would say at least 85% of the calls, they want home births. There's there's quite a bit of evidence that shows that if you are low risk, it's actually safer for you Mm -hmm. to have your baby in your own environment. Your body and your baby is used to your bacteria, your germs, your environment is safe and sacred, so your mind is already in that good natural state, and you're not going into a foreign environment around people that you don't know, that you don't have a bond with, and that you've never met before in your Mm -hmm. life, and they're all up in your vulnerable space. So birthing at home with your loved ones and your things and a midwife that you've built a relationship with that same person for all of these years really enhances safe, healthy births. Hospitals can be dangerous places when it comes to bacteria, as we hear uh, all too frequently. You mentioned uh, insurance a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Assuming that the women we're talking about all have insurance, which is probably not the case, uh, does insurance respond with payments for the home delivery in in the midwife? Um, Not currently, and we're all working towards that. You know, it's actually a lot of political drama (laughs) when it comes to getting home births covered um, by midwives, to be quite honest. So um, the state of Missouri Medicaid will cover certified nurse midwives when it comes to birthing center Mm -hmm. births. Um, But when it comes to certified professional midwives being covered for Medicaid, um, that's not an option at this point. Now, if you have private insurance, some insurance companies will reimburse you, Mm -hmm. which means that the average person with private insurance will have to pay out of pocket and later later be reimbursed, which is still a good option. Mm -hmm. Um, Through Jamal Birth Village, we're actually seeking to have a home birth fund where we will, for women who want a home birth, um, they fit into the midwifery model of care, which means they don't have health risk or complications, we'll be able to have this fund that if finances are the only barrier to prevent them from having that, that we'll be able to award them a certain amount of money to cover their birth. Mm -hmm. And on average, a home birth costs about $4,000 compared to $15,000 to $20,000 for a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to get to that. Yeah. This is sort of a GoFundMe campaign that you've got mm-hmm. going, right? Well, how is that going, and, and what kind of goals and objectives do you have? Well, so our GoFundMe campaign is tied into launching our Equal Access Midwifery Clinic, which is our ultimate goal. And so um, just recently, a Ferguson physician um, who is very well aware of the work that we have done in uh, advocating for women and making sure we lower our infant and maternal mortality rates, um, 
He believes in our forward motion of expanding our care in a comprehensive setting where women will not only have access to midwives, but they'll have access to uh, mental health care providers on site, as well as breastfeeding counselors and life skill coaches. So when this uh, physician heard about what we were doing, he said, you know, well, you know, I'm getting ready to retire. I don't want to rent my building anymore. I wanted to sell it and put it on the market, but we're willing to donate it to you. Oh, wow. We're willing to put up $125,000 to your organization to make sure you have the facility that you need to carry this out. And so this is a, a little bit over a 4,000 square foot facility that's just one block away from where we're currently located. Mm-hmm. And right now we're operating in a facility that's a a little bit over a thousand square feet. So um, with that donation that he gave us, we were left to raise at least $60,000 to close on the building, um, which costs actually $185,000. So we launched a campaign on June 18th um, called 60K in 60 Days for Ferguson's Equal Access Midwifery Clinic. And so our goal was to raise that money so that we can close on the building at the end of this week. And so um, as of if you look at our current GoFundMe account, we've raised right around Mm $20,000. So you see we have a ways to go. Mm -hmm. We have raised some funds outside of GoFundMe, um, but we still, you know, need to continue to raise more money to not only close on the building, but to also afford us to be able to renovate our location. Sure. We'll yeah. put contact information on our website at stlpublicradio.org. So if folks want to get involved, they can they can do that. Yeah. You know, coming back to the uh, the whole midwife situation, particularly in the home, what sort of backup is there if things go wrong, as they sometimes do during childbirth? You're absolutely right. Um, We can prepare a mom and make sure that she's healthy and some things just happen. So every midwife um, that attends a home birth, she always has a birth assistant. And a birth assistant is actually typically another midwife. So there's a birth assistant there, and there's also more often a student that's there as well. So you tend to have a birth team of two to three. Um, Also, it is discussed that if there's a need for a trans transfer, that we know the closest hospital that's there. We have developing relationships with the staff at the local hospital in case of a transfer. Um, but to be quite honest, um, most of the transfer that, transfers that happen, which are very, very minimal, they're just due to mom maybe having a longer labor, and she just may be a little tired and exhausted and just may need some rest to continue on. It's very, very rare that we have true emergencies where there needs to be a transfer. And I just want to highlight that midwives also have um, materials and uh, there with them in the case that there is a small emergency mm-hmm. that we can manage. So if oxygen is needed or yeah. if resuscitation is needed for baby, we always come prepared. When does the midwife come into the picture during the course of the pregnancy, and how long do they stay after the birth? That's a good question. Um, so we see our moms as early as possible. We always like to see our moms um, at least within towards the end of the first trimester. So around 12 weeks, we typically begin care, and we see moms all the way you know, through their due date whenever they actually prepare to deliver. So um, we attend mother's birth, and we continue extensive postpartum care. So after a birth with the mom, um, we t- typically 
typically stay anywhere between four to six hours, really depending on what level of care mom and baby need. So um, we're there to help initiate breastfeeding um, and to make sure mom is doing okay. And we always leave the house like with mom and baby snuggling and warm, making sure that she's eating and going to the bathroom and everything is good. We always do a 24-hour visit, and um, some midwives also do a three-day visit and a seven-day visit, and then it goes to um, weekly visits all the way up to about three to six months. It really depends on which midwife it is. Um, And on average, even with nurse midwives at the birthing centers and with OBs, you typically only get two postpartum visits. Mm -hmm. That's at week two and between week four and six. Sometimes you'll get a 24-hour visit, but you're only seen twice when you've been seen so much prenatally. This this is keeping these women very, very busy, I'm sure, with all (laughs) all of this activity. What, what, What do the people you've what three hundred did you say three hundred women yes. who've uh, have had mid midwife babies? Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of feedback do you get from them? Oh my gosh, uh, absolutely amazing feedback! Quite a few of these women have already had you know births before at uh, hospital settings, so a lot of them just say, "I never knew that I, my body could do this." You know, um, a lot of them feel more empowered. Um, a lot of them feel like. Um, they're better mothers for making those choices and decisions. So we hear a lot of great feedback when it comes to their ability to listen to their bodies and do what's best for them and their babies. Um, it just is we're really helping to reclaim a part of our culture that's been taken away mm-hmm. um, when it comes to midwives being in the black community. So a lot of women feel like they're connecting to their um, their roots their heritage when it comes to um, black women traditionally birthing at home, um, surrounded around loved ones and in the hands of community members that are skilled and trained in in childbirth. Seems to make a great deal of sense to me. I want to thank you so much, Drew, for being with us and and for the work you do. I mean, it really seems like it's very, very necessary and Mm. being performed very well the way you're doing it. Yes. Thank you. You're That's welcome. Drew Kelman, founder and executive director of Jamal Birth Village in Ferguson. Thank you once again. You're welcome. Archived versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>